Hi, this is Laura Armstrong from the Toronto Star, and you're listening to the Jays Journal podcast with Ari Shapiro. taping my friends with a game pending against the White Sox that quite frankly is irrelevant to me this has been a successful homestand through and through to start the year splitting a series with the New York Yankees and then finding yourself winning the series against the Chicago White Sox is right about everything that the Blue Jays could have truly asked for I mean given the cynicism and given the frustrations of what was perceived as a lack of key offseason moves the team put together, at least in the early part of the season, some really timely pitching, some really clutch hitting, you know, things we didn't even see last year. And there's this palpable sense of some kind of chemistry in the in the clubhouse. I, I don't think you can deny that. Jan Hervis Solarte in particular, whom I fondly referred to on Twitter as the dancing Venezuelan, is showing himself to be exactly what the Blue Jays have been missing and haven't had in a very long time in that dugout, which is a presence capable of not only encouraging his teammates to play harder, but then he can go out and actually back it up. And of course, it's one thing to have a Muninori Kawasaki or to have a Brett Laurie out there trying to pump up the team with his own brand of swagger, but the fact remains that we've never had a player really in recent memory that could both walk the walk and talk the talk. And I have the suspicion that when all is said and done in the 2018 season, Solarte will be someone that will have that credibility. And of course, that only makes the Blue Jays a better team. And considering that after this last game with the White Sox, they'll be heading off on a 10-day, 9-game road trip through cities like Texas, Baltimore, and Cleveland... There's a lot of adversity yet on the horizon. I know many of you are thinking, sure, Texas and Baltimore, those are teams the Jays should be able to handle. But Cleveland, of course, as we know, is the class of the American League Central. And in being so, they have the capacity to show the Blue Jays a thing or two when all is said and done. So we'll certainly see what the future has in store. But this is a wonderful feeling. This is something that fans were completely deprived of last year. And that is recognizing that April baseball is crucial if you want to end up playing in September. It's like John Gibbons likes to say, that soothsayer that he is. You can't win the division in April, but you certainly can lose it. And for the Blue Jays, it's an opportunity to to see whether or not this new group of players, both young and old, part of the 2015 memorable autumn run and those just recently acquired, can maybe find a way to gel and put themselves in a position where they can be taken as a credible, contending baseball club. On this show, I have the pleasure of bringing in a number of guests that I think you'll find particularly intriguing. I'm going to start with Laura Armstrong, who's the beat writer and sports journalist with the Toronto Star. She covers all things Blue Jays. And I sat down with Laura because I was very curious, first and foremost, to understand 
why Teoscar Hernandez was in the minors and why fans are essentially having to put up with what is a horribly ineffective Kendris Morales. You know, you're going to see, personally, I think that you're going to see uh, changes quickly if the Jays get off to a bad start the way that they did last year. I mean, <laughs> the the talk, I think, started yesterday already about, you know, Richard Urania and uh, Danny Jansen and, and, you know, I think, Ross Atkins went on the radio yesterday and basically said, you know, Diaz needs to hit, Luke Maley needs to hit, and if these guys aren't going to, then we're going to go find somebody who can, um, which I think is the attitude that this front office should be taking with these players, certainly. Why they haven't yet, I don't know if that's anybody's guess, but it is interesting. John Gibbons was on MLB Network this morning, and I understand that he said um, that, you know, Josh Donaldson will be DHing over the next couple of days, which is going to mean Solarte at third base, and it's going to be more. It's going to be minimal playing time for Kendris Morales, which I think probably tells you all you need to know about that situation. Yeah, I don't think that it's. I think for for that to happen, maybe two years in a row, it's going to be not. It's. I, I mean, I don't want to go as far as to say it's going to be awful for this franchise, but I certainly think that the the reaction that they're going to get from fans and probably from the mainstream media too is just is is going to be um, kind of like this team let down their fans. Um, yeah, and exactly that's that. never a good thing, right? So yeah. the Jays are in a weird spot, uh, in my opinion. They're they're not rebuilding necessarily. Maybe they're transitioning, but they're not rebuilding. So while there are people maybe coming up that are worthy of getting excited about in the next couple of years, um, they're not here now, of course. And um, so there's, there's, you know, I I tend to think that fan bases can be reasonable, and I think that it's been very interesting to me to see the reaction to not only the likes of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Bo Bichette, but the likes of Teoscar Hernandez and Anthony Alford and those guys. Because I think that people get excited about those guys because those guys coming up means that we're one step closer to seeing Guerrero, to seeing Bo Bichette. So right now, the Jays, just, the Jays fans just don't necessarily have anybody to get excited about if you, <laughs> you don't have a guy like Josh Donaldson hitting home runs. I mean, I don't think that anybody really expected that Kevin Pillar was going to hit the first home run, Blue Jays home run of the year last night. And the Jays fans, like, I mean, to their credit, went nuts for it in the bottom of the eighth when the team was losing 5-1. But you're not going to get that reaction, you know, even two weeks from now, I don't think. On the issue of patience, I asked Laura how she felt about whether or not that walk-off home run by Vladimir Guerrero in spring training may have captivated fans' imagination for better and for worse. I mean, will we realistically have Bichette and Guerrero at some point this year, knowing that this edition of the Blue Jays might end up struggling with its lineup? I I just I I kind of think that that at this point this season just is what it is. Um, I think that you know, depending on how this season goes, I think we're just going to start seeing people kind of move past this group of players and maybe start looking to, towards the future. And, and the front office really only has to bridge probably about a year, a year and a half um, before they do get some, some excitement back, even if it's just in, in seeing some young players come up. Um, so I just think that, that there's sort of like a carrot being dangled in front of Blue Jays fans right now that, that even though I I think we'll probably see attendances drop and I think we'll probably see you know fans be upset with this front office for maybe not moving as quickly as they wanted 
them to necessarily, although they still don't want Josh Donaldson gone either. So it's, it's a very like tricky balance to navigate. I don't, it's kind of like the Blue Jays front office in some ways is stuck between a rock and a hard place because it's like, you don't want Josh Donaldson to go, but at the same time, we're ready for the next generation. I thought um, John Gibbons said it best at spring training when Marcus Stroman was calling for um, Guerrero and, and Bichette to come up. Uh, John Gibbons said, well, have you asked, you know, Josh Donaldson about that? Because I don't necessarily know how he feels about the guy who could be his replacement coming up tomorrow. Um, so, yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how Blue Jays, the front office, navigates it. But I do think that there's this carrot of the future being dangled in front of fans. So as much as, like, they might be frustrated right now, there's something to look for. There's enough to look forward to going forward that people might be fine to just call this year right off and move on. That's it. Personally, I think that, that I, I find that that walk-off home run was more concerning than anything, and I do not. I do hope that the front office has more sense than to bring up a guy like Vlad Guerrero Jr. before he's ready to come up. I think yeah. that you know, there's value in them in them learning the ranks, and you know, every like people who understand the farm system far better than I ha- than I do that I've talked to have said, you know the game changes when you're up at double a and it's not to say that they're not going to be great players there but they need to learn they need to learn what double a is like they need to learn what triple a is like and i think that's very important and i don't think that it's worth rushing these guys through the system just so that you can you know feel like appease a fan base that a year from now could you know welcome these guys who are fully ready and be happy you know I just I, I, I still think that once once mm. the likes of Guerrero and Bichette are in the like in in the big leagues there's going to be people who are buying tickets now I yeah. am not a business person and I don't know how badly you know a 14,000 crowd Rogers Center is going to affect a year of that could affect Jay's business but I do think that people are going to come back once these top prospects start making their appearances and I don't think that they should be rushed simply because they hit a hit a hit a great moment in Montreal I wouldn't be surprised if you saw them in September possibly depending on how the season is going to give them you know an idea of what the big leagues are like I think we saw Jessica Hernandez um, really benefit from that last September and I think that maybe you know Vlad and Bo could could benefit from it as well I thought it was interesting this spring when uh, John Gibbons said that he thought that Oscar Hernandez has become a better hitter since last September and I think to give him the idea of what he needs to do in the big leagues to become that by giving him a stint in September it's huge and also that's fun for the fan base like I mean some of the best parts of last year was you know watching Richard Urania's first home run um definitely in September and Oscar Hernandez just you know being one of the most exciting players on the field so I think that yeah, I just, I just I don't I just don't see I expect that they're going to progress faster than um, most prospects because they already have shown that I mean they're already progressing faster than most prospects. I don't think they expected anybody expected them to be starting in Double A at 19. Finally, I wanted to know what Laura felt about the schedule in April and how to deal with the fact that the Maple Leafs and the Toronto Raptors are both going to be in the playoffs, which for this city will represent a certain fervor, hoopla, energy, uh, hysteria that we probably haven't witnessed since the early 90s. Here's what Laura thought about that. 
Yeah, and they've got that's that's one of the things too that I find really interesting about the Jays' schedule right now is that they're coming up against the Raptors and they're coming up against the Leafs in terms of fans, and they've got a hard April. It's not an easy schedule through the month of April. They see the Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees a lot early in the season, so it's going to be interesting to see like where they're sitting when people turn maybe away from the Raptors and away from the Leafs and back to to baseball if people are. You know, if the Jays are not sort of in competition, do people come back at all? Be sure to check out Laura's Twitter feed, at Laura Army, and her great writing at the Toronto Star. She's always a pleasure to have on the show. She's truly dialed in to what the Blue Jays are doing on a day-to-day basis. My next guest on this episode is a familiar voice who's been on the show many times over the past few months. He's a market researcher and analyst for the Levy Institute and is one of the smartest cookies I know when it comes to baseball. Marshall Auerbach was brought in because I needed to ask him his thoughts on the 2018 year as being a potential write-off and the importance of what it means to keep the fans happy knowing that this is a very transitional time for the franchise. Yeah, you know, uh, I, it, it may be, this is, we've always been told this is a transitional year, this is going to be a successful transitional year, or is it going to be um, a bridge uh, to something which is a little bit more rocky in the middle before it, it emerges better on the other side? And um, the, the, the jury is still out on that. But where uh, I think Rogers could do much to alleviate fan concern is on something which is not directly related to the product on the field, but uh, if you like the field or the stadium itself. Um, Are they serious about this ball club? Do they want it to be a major part of their future? Do they want Rogers to be uh, a a serious revenue generator? I mean, Shapiro himself said it's about 22nd in the major leagues right now as far as revenue generation. Um, Those are the kinds of things that you have to ask, and that should be a decision made without um, uh, any reference to the product on the field. The, the concern that I have is that they keep deferring this. Uh, the product in the field is not particularly good this year. The uh, stadium attendance is poor. And then we go back to this uh, apt period that we had in the 1990s and 2000s of absentee ownership where Rogers just doesn't feel like spending the money. The stadium experience gets worse. Uh, the atmosphere is terrible. The product on the field doesn't get much better, so they cut back payroll even further. And then you get into a really nasty negative cycle. That, that's the real concern. And so you want them to make a, you know, if they say, you know, we're going to spend X hundreds of millions of dollars to renovate the stadium, improve revenue generation, and, um, and make the whole experience for the fans much more meaningful, you at least know that this is not someone or an entity that treats the yeah. team like a non-core asset, which is what they always say, and it's very annoying, but they keep saying this to um, Bay Street investment analysts whenever they speak to uh, Rogers directly. You, know, you never get the sense that this is a, 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 something that's really important to them, and I think that's, that's the, always been the worry. Of course, recently, we as fans discovered in Toronto that the scalpers and level of what I like to call monetization greed is through the roof. A recent report from the Toronto Star indicated that scalpers were sharing the profits of their efforts with the Toronto Blue Jays in exchange for being able to reserve tickets through organizations like StubHub, which resulted in over 20,000 tickets during the home opener essentially being sold through this process, both profiting the Jays and driving ticket prices up. I asked Marshall how he felt about that and whether or not this kind of greed and opportunism was maybe a little bit too much. Well, nobody likes to feel like they've been had or they've been played. And um, 
what you pointed out and described is just another contributing factor whereby fans start feeling, well, these guys are ripping me off. Um, they're just trying to play me. They're not really serious about putting a better product on the field. We've been getting a lot of mumbo-jumbo from Mark Shapiro. And, um, you know, I, I don't think it would take that much to really turn the fan base back to being indifferent or even cynical and hostile. You know, I, I tweeted earlier, I think I mentioned this to you, but I, I, I said to, uh, to someone else um, that, you know, you get this haunting sense that the fan base here is on the threshold of something much like the Leafs fan base uh, in 2014, 2015, you know, the time when they were throwing Maple Leaf jerseys onto the ice and salute gate. You know, there, there, there was just a, a feeling from what happened the year before uh, that um, things were not uh, good um, and, um, and people got bitter very, very quickly. Finally, knowing the sentimental element involved with having a home opener that coincides with a memorial for one of your greatest players, I asked Marshall how he felt about how the Roy Halladay memorial was handled and ownership's commitment to the fans in making sure that it was done as tastefully as possible with great respect for someone that clearly was very near and dear to the fans of Toronto. It's opening day. Your 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 focus should want ideally is on the future and you know hopes for the upcoming season. And then you have to introduce a very somber note. But I think they handled that well, and I think they had to do it on that day, um, especially given the way in which um, management had been criticized, the the, okay. the tone deaf response in in the wake of the tragedy. I'm I always thought that was a bit of a bum rap, and they they rectified themselves uh, uh, here, but. So um, can't really criticize them for that. And um, again, uh, even with regard to um, what they're doing this year on the field, I don't really criticize them for that either. Although uh, I was a little bit uh, uh, nonplussed at the uh, comments of, of uh, Ross Atkins when he said about uh, Adletmis uh, Diaz that you know he had to hit because we we didn't bring him here for his defense. And I thought to myself, my God, you know, I mean the depth really not there the way it's supposed to be. Uh, so you know, you really do wonder um, if they thought this thing uh, uh, through as aggressively as as one would like. Um, but again, uh, it's, it's, it's early days yet, and we'll give Mr. Diaz a chance to uh, prove us wrong. You know, even though it was preseason, that, that, that moment that we had with Vlad Guerrero Jr. in, in Montreal shows how great the game can be on, uh, when, it, when, it's, um, you know, when, it, when it reaches those heights of poetry. So that's why we keep um, watching it. But as I said, the ownership could control the, the fan reaction or mitigate it to some extent. If uh, they said, you know, we're committing, you know, we have a, a fixed budget of, um, you know, X hundred million or whatever the number is and said, we're, and we're undertaking renovations this off season to improve the experience at the Rogers Center. Because I think that would at least um, show people we're in it for the long term. We, we know that we've got, we're not there yet, but um, we're, well, this is another important foundation for the team, much like, you know, the Ricketts family, in addition to proving, uh, improving the, um, the product on the field with the Cubs uh, immediately committed to renovating Wrigley Field. I mean, you, you want to see a, a comparable level of engagement and care on the part of ownership. If you want to learn more about Marshall and all the great work that he does, be sure to check him out on Twitter at M Auerbach. That's M-A-U-E-R-B-A-C-K. You can find all of his great articles, including his fantastic technology perspectives on things like cryptocurrencies and the recent Cambridge Analytica scandal. You don't want to miss what this gentleman has to say. 
Next on the show, it occurred to me that I needed to bring someone on who could best explain to you, the listener, exactly what a dead arm is. Because you've heard a lot about that in the past week. Although it seems like Josh Donaldson is over his dead arm phase, I brought in the writer, blogger, and minor league expert with Baseball Prospectus and Baseball1500.com, Jason Waddell, to sit down and talk to me about exactly what his thoughts were on Donaldson moving forward and what the heck a dead arm really is. Here's what he had to say. So a, a dead arm is basically a weak arm. Um, you know, John Gibbons had, had a couple quotes. You know, he, he did bring up the, you know, dead arm, which got everybody talking. But before that, he was just saying when Donaldson got to, to spring training that his arm was just, quote, hanging a bit. And... What that means is there is something in Donaldson's shoulder, whether it's it's requires surgery or not, at this point is irrelevant, but there's something in his shoulder that is, is causing him to not necessarily feel pain when he's throwing, but just not have the umph, the velo across the diamond. Um, it is a common, kind of a common injury, and Marcelo Zuna is dealing with it too a little bit in St. Louis. Um, but it's it's not so much. Let's not think injury. I guess is let's start with kind of context because injury will require you know almost uh, implies harm. Injury uh, almost in, implies the need for uh, you know surgical intervention. Um, let's think of more with Donaldson's arm being being more weak and tight and and go from there. I would say it's something temporary, but here's what here's what I don't personally know, and, and, and maybe you do. Um, I don't ever remember hearing a report about Donaldson getting an MRI. So that could have been just something that happened that was kept very hush-hush, but I feel like we hear about that. Uh, let's assume that he did get an MRI, and then let's assume that the shoulder came back clean in terms of baseball standards. Um, so if, if if that's the case, and John Gibbons was talking about this shoulder hanging a bit throughout the spring, then I would I would assume that the Jays' medical staff has been treating this. And I know that Donaldson didn't throw a lot in the spring, and rest and a throwing program, uh, rest, rehab, and a throwing program are, are the three things that Donaldson would need if, they, if this is something that did not require surgery. But I'm just assuming that it doesn't because I'm assuming that They've done the test. They've 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 looked at the shoulder, and either you know they didn't find anything wrong, or uh, they're keeping it hush. And I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist, so I'm not going to assume that. Uh, I'm going to trust what Donaldson and, and John Gibbons say about his arm. That it's something he's been working on for throughout the spring, uh, and this is a, this is a six to you know four to four to six to eight weeks sort of type of rest rehab throwing program. Uh, you know, I've seen people respond to to me on social media and ask, well, why did he play then? Well, this is opening day and these guys play. You know, it's not necessarily that, you know, with one game at third base, he could necessarily do his shoulder damage. Now, he might do the Blue Jays damage by playing, but there's a lot of pride at stake. Uh, and this isn't necessarily something that would lead to like a UCL. If the labrum would need to be repaired, that'd be, you know, found out through MRI and I, and I would hope that, that we would know that. So, so not necessarily going to get worse, but not going to get better if he plays every day. So the main thing that Blue Jays fans need to, need to, I think, 
feel good about is that they're finding a way to get him in the lineup through DH. Whether you're you're Kendry Morales' biggest fan or not, I think will will determine what you think about that. But I think the Blue Jays are a better team with Solarte in the field at this point anyways, uh, and Donaldson is DH. And since he's not going to hurt the shoulder any worse, uh, is it addition by subtraction based on all the all the vitriol I've seen thrown at Kendry's Morales? Be sure to check out Jason on Twitter, at Jason at the Game, and his writings on all things related to the minor leagues and with baseball prospectus is a real testament to why he's a member of the Internet Baseball Writers Association. Fantastic gentleman through and through. And of course, no show would be complete unless I found a way to get the co-site expert at the Jays Journal, Chris Henderson, to make an appearance in between all of his great work that he does both as a country singer and a baseball savant. And the first thing I wanted to ask him was what I'd asked Laura earlier on the likelihood of a Teoscar Hernandez sighting and whether or not it was an unfair decision for the player that clearly fans are curious about and want to see develop over time. I wouldn't be surprised if he uh, if he made an appearance before the end of the month. I, I do think, you know, as I've been watching John Gibbons throughout the years, he's always been a loyal manager. He's, you know, sometimes almost to a fault that he'll stick with his guys. Uh, you know, not that I'm criticizing him because I do like the loyalty and, and baseball is such a long game that you can't be overly reactionary as a manager. But um, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised to see Hernandez come up, and uh, especially just with the, you know, the team. There's some guys that Josh Donaldson didn't look healthy yesterday. Um, so you don't know. I mean, if a guy ends up, if Donaldson ends up having to do a 10-day DL stint to rest that shoulder or something, I think Hernandez is the guy that gets called up, even if he's not a third baseman. Naturally, I decided to steer our conversation to looking at whether or not there was an aura of secrecy between the player and franchise when it comes to the issue of making long-term commitments where the player might be suspected as having been hurt. I mean, we know that Josh Donaldson says he's physically fine and the organization is behind him. But it really raised some eyebrows when we discovered that Troy Tulowitzki had bone spurs in both feet and that Donaldson's dead arm wasn't even detected until the season started. It made me wonder whether Chris thought that there is some kind of a strange shroud going on as to whether or not a player wants to save face to avoid the reputation of being known as a brittle or fragile player. Here's what he thought about that. Yeah, and you know, the game is trending in a different way. And, you know, where you look at those veteran guys and the Blue Jays roster is a perfect example. You talk about Bautista and the way that he fell off, you know, into his mid to late 30s and his production just wasn't the same. And, you know, thankfully the Blue Jays didn't sign him to a six year deal a couple of years ago because they'd, that'd be a long commitment. But that, that kind of long commitment is what they've got with Troy Tulowitzki right now as well. He's only a year older than, than Josh Donaldson. So. It is a scary proposition to uh, look at extending these guys if, if they do uh, have pre-existing injury issues. I don't blame Donaldson for wanting to be on the field, and uh, you know, and there, I'm sure there's a selfish and an unselfish component for that um, for him. Whether you know, he he wants to make sure that the perception is that he can stay healthy and he can play, you know, 150 games or more a year. Um, you know, and, and I do appreciate that he's out there and trying to help the team as well. But uh, based on what I saw from his from his throws yesterday what concerns me about this whole dead arm thing you know I, i've i've never experienced it myself i've had tennis elbow i've had i've torn my labrum not that i was a professional pitcher but i you know i i i've i don't know exactly i don't know exactly what that term means and uh, i've been around the game for a long time i mean i know what it means but to me it's like it's a bit scary and uh, and the thing that about donaldson that, that concerned me the most was that he wasn't drawing his throwing arm back far enough to even make a throw. Like, I found that he was almost stopping near his head 
you know, whereas in the past you'd see him rear back a little bit further to make that throw across the diamond. Mm-hmm. And uh, so to me, that that scares me or it makes me wonder if there's not a pre-existing shoulder issue there somehow, um, you know, whether it's a rotator thing or, or maybe, it, you know, who knows. But uh, I hope that it's just a dead arm thing and that maybe a week of rests from throwing the ball can, can make the difference. But I've never really I've never really understood that concept. You know, the thing that you touched on with the secrecy, I, I do understand the rationale why teams do that sort of thing, you know, even just for scouting reports for their opponents and, and that sort of thing. But as a fan, like if I'm taking my, my, my baseball writer hat off and just looking at it purely as a fan, I'll admit that I was upset that um, I didn't realize the, the true severity of Troy Tulowitzki's injury until the roster was named. Like, you know, there was rumors that he would be on the 60-day DL, but now we're hearing reports of that they just don't know when he's going to play again or what it is that's going to help him to get back and be healthy. And so when that happened and, and then, the, you know, the, they announced, the roster wasn't announced until the, before the first game, and uh, and then, you know, a few hours later, we're watching Donaldson, who's clearly not healthy, which... I think we all knew that he wasn't quite 100 percent, but uh, like for me personally, I, I assumed it was more of a calf thing. You know, he struggled with uh, just cramps and, and tightness in his calf throughout the last number of years, and they wanted to keep him off of the off of the Olympic Stadium, uh, you know, turf and stuff. And so I assumed yeah. it was more of a leg issue. So when I watched him making those throws yesterday, I went, "Wow, I can't believe wow. it's this mm-hmm. bad," and that we're and that I didn't realize it was anywhere near this bad. You know, and I think a lot of Blue Jays fans were surprised just that he, he couldn't even make a throw across the diamond yesterday. So it makes me wonder, it looked like Gibbons was confused that he wasn't able to do it either. And that, that's just not a good look when the, when the management, when the manager looks confused of what's wrong with you, man. Um, uh, I guess yeah. I haven't revealed how sore I really am. Sorry about that. That's Chris Henderson from the Jays journal. You definitely want to check out some of his great work. He's one of the most prodigious writers about all things, blue Jays baseball across the fan sided network and in social media. And you can reach him at baseball for brains. That's baseball, the number four and brains on Twitter. He'll certainly be dropping by in the days to come. So there you have it. My friends, I've put together a nice collection of guest interviews that I think will hopefully have enlightened your listening experience and given you a chance to appreciate all things going on in blue Jays land. Be sure to stay dialed in, knowing that there'll be new episodes in the days to come, along with new and exciting fresh guests that I'll be speaking with, former players, current players, and other media sorts that'll give you a better insight into your passion, into your pride, and into a team that does it for you, the Toronto Blue Jays, here on the Jays Journal Podcast. Thanks for tuning in.